and welcome to the Banking Bonus Time podcast, produced and presented by the Community Bankers Webinar Network, powered by FinEd. Today, we will be listening in on a clip from Diana Kern's webinar on comparing Regulation E with Visa and MasterCard rules. Diana Kern began her career with Shazam in 1995 and earned the accredited ACH Professional AAP designation in 1998. Her broad experience helps her comprehend the financial institution's inner workings, apply her vast knowledge of the payments industry, and train payment participants on products and services related to the card payment system, the ACH network, and EFT compliance. Diana helps clients navigate the ever-changing world of EFT services by providing a detail-oriented focus when explaining individual concepts and specifics. As a speaker, Audiences welcome Diana's insights on payments trends and emerging payments. A self-described payments nerd, Diana's enthusiasm for all things payments results in high-energy presentations. So with that, I will let our listeners take a listen to Diana Kern's webinar clip. We're going to start by talking about definition, scope, and enforcement. And I think scope is pretty straightforward. You know, talking about the reg itself and the consumer protections is a phrase I already used in a couple of uh, sentences in the, in the introduction. We're going to break the regulation down into a couple of parts, and really there are two subsections of the reg itself. And by the way, there is a handout. It's one of your supplements. It's actually supplement number three, it looks like, as they uh, named it at the Community Bankers Webinar Network. Supplement number three has a bunch of websites. And so there will be several websites that I'll draw attention to on that page. But I have a particular one, and this is on a slide at the very end as well, so I'll mention it again. But I have a particular website that's on the ECFR, the Electronic Code of Federal Regulations website that I prefer. And in a one-on-one, -on -one, if you have questions about using that website, why I like it, I'm happy to show you why it is so helpful to me. And it's really the search feature, the fact that it's all on one web page and I can use my browser search tools to find the language that I'm looking for. So in that reg, if you use the website at all or if you look at the reg language specifically, you know that there are some sections that are applicable most specifically to error resolution. So that is subsection 11, which is the error resolution procedures, and subsection 6, which is the consumer's limit of liability. And so we're going to focus on those separately. That is my biggest piece of advice that I will give you today, is don't try to lump the entire dispute process into one kind of mishmash hodgepodge of stuff in your brain. Think about each rule and each section of the reg separately. Think about error resolution separate from consumer's liability. And think about reg E separate from MasterCard rules and Visa rules. Yes, there is some overlayment there. There are some areas where, you know, if you had the little diagram where circles overlap, where they would have some overlapping. But the MasterCard and Visa rules will never ask you to do anything or follow any rule of theirs that is going to contradict or get you in trouble with Reggie. Everything is going to be more consumer friendly. And at the end, we'll wrap up with FAQs and some best practices. 
I need to set kind of a prerequisite level, you know, expectation here before we get any farther with the specific content, and that is that when we look at debit card transactions, all of you that have had a debit card for however long that you've been old enough to have one, you know that you can use your debit cards in different places in different ways. When you go to an ATM, of course, you're always going to use a PIN. When you go to a point of sale, though, depending on how that merchant is set up, you can either do what's called a dual message transaction or a single message transaction. We'll do the single on the next slide. Dual message transactions are the ones that all of you probably for years have been calling signature-based or credit transactions. And I'm here to tell you today that you should change your terminology to calling them dual message. Well, why are they called dual, as in two message? Simply because there's an authorization that goes through the system for for approval at the time the transaction takes place. You think about you go to a retail store to buy some new clothes or shoes. And that retail store runs an authorization when you go through the checkout process. And even though your account might have some sort of a memo posted item on it, the actual settlement of that, what's called the settlement advice transaction message, that doesn't come through until the merchant closes out their batch later that day or the next day. And that goes through MasterCard or Visa and then comes into your account. So there's the authorization message and then the advice message. Thus, the reason it's called a dual message transaction, and that is the type of transaction we're going to focus on today because for those transactions, MasterCard or Visa, for the most part in the United States today, are the, the applicable uh, rules for that. If you go to an ATM and you look at the merchant uh, and or acquiring information, you know, the location of that terminal, you can tell in your transaction data that you get through your processor what network that transaction was acquired through. So if your cards and your terminals are all through a non-MasterCard or Visa network, then those transactions aren't governed by that brand. So the brands that we're talking about today, MasterCard and Visa, only govern transactions that route through, go through their network. And that's what we're focusing on, the dual message transactions. It might surprise you to know that a dual message transaction may contain a PIN. So calling it a you know signature-based, which you don't even have to have a signature anymore, right? Do you all remember that? That as of about three years ago, it was pretty much spring of 2018, all of the major brands in the United States, the global brands, MasterCard, Visa, and then the Discover, Amex, for the most part, they did away with the signature requirement. Now, as a consumer, when you're out there shopping in the world, you're probably still asked quite often to sign a piece of paper or sign an electronic machine when you're authorizing a dual message MasterCard or Visa transaction. It's just, I think, habitual. I think merchants are just kind of hesitant to give that up. But what did that signature ever do for you as a card issuer anyway? What did that signature prove? The short answer to that is absolutely nothing. The signature has had no value in the MasterCard and Visa chargeback world for a long, long time. So it just made sense to me that they did away with that because it didn't do you any good. You can access and purchase Diana's webinar on comparing Regulation E with Visa and MasterCard rules at our website using the link in our show notes. You can also visit us at financialadding.com. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook on the Community Bankers Network pages. 
Before I sign off, I would like to thank all of our state association partners, our topic experts, and you, the listeners. Thank you for all you do to support your customers. Thank you for listening in. Mm-hmm.